0: You're listening to The Doctor's Companion brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. to yet another episode of the doctor's companion i'm scott corelli
1: and i'm matt smith but not that matt smith
0: and we're from mindrobber.net the home site of mind robber productions where we talk about all the things on podcasts like this one the doctor's companion where we talk about doctor who the mind robbers versus where we uh, pick a show we love and we talk about it episode by episode till we cover the whole thing beginning to end uh we're talking about justice league unlimited right now and uh, very shortly, we're going to be shifting gears entirely into um, Veronica Mars, which is uh, should be great. Should be great. Um, and then there's our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, uh, where we talk about everything else. Um, and right now, uh, we do it whenever we feel like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you like our shows, uh, you should review them on iTunes. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, email them to us, podcast at mindrobber.net. If you want to start a discussion, however, I recommend finding the post of this episode, leaving a comment there, so everyone can know what you're thinking. Uh but most importantly, tell your friends, uh, especially if they are looking for a way to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, because that's what we're doing here. Uh, we've been we've been counting down the Doctors, uh, starting with 11. We did 10. We did nine. We did eight. Uh, just in the last episode, uh, or no, we did seven in the last episode, and now we're doing now we're doing six. Um, and so we've we've we finally made it to Colin Baker and we're doing a uh, big finish audio for Colin Baker, uh, because really, I mean, you just you don't want to celebrate Colin Baker by talking about any of his TV stories. Um, <laughs> that's factual. Um, so we're talking the Holy Terror. Uh, which is uh, it's exciting. Um, so, uh, so, 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 Matt, uh, what, what kind of background and significance do you have for the kind folks at home?
1: Yeah, holy terror. Um, uh, like you said, it's a big finish story. Um, and interesting enough, it's in it, it, it's really early, big finish. This is the 14th release that they did, which means that they're just outside of a year. Um, and, or, or a year of producing things. This story is actually exactly 13 years old, um, because it came out in November 2000. Um, but uh, I guess there's a lot to go here, and I'm not sure which where to go first. The reason I picked it specifically is because it's hard to find the six-doctor story that Scott hasn't listened to. Um, I loved him so much, because he's all so good. Uh, because... If I had known better, I would have saved Legend of the Cybermen, but I didn't. Uh. Um, So So, uh, what we did instead is uh, we're listening to this one, and the reason I picked this is because... It's a standalone story. It's not really connected to anything else, and it's written by Robert Shearman. And Robert Shearman was a writer who I kind of wasn't even aware of until I listened to this story. Uh, and at this point, I was starting to blow through Big Finish. I had listened to the first thirteen, and Shearman had written another story that I was really excited to get to called "The Chimes of Midnight," which was an Eighth Doctor Charlie adventure. Um, mm. And it's a that one's a great story, and it was and it was touted as having a really great cliffhanger at the end of episode two. And I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. And so I was I was aware of this story and it had a weird companion. Um, and so I was like really interested. And uh, the companion for this story is a character named Frobisher uh, who comes from the comics, the Doctor Who magazine comics. And Frobisher is a shapeshifter um, who works as a PI who decides that he is most comfortable in the body of a penguin. So he's a kind of New York Pi, who is a penguin, and uh, it was ignored. Uh, this is a story that big fin- that no one from big, like all of Big Finish's subscriber base was just like, oh, w- we're not interested. We don't care. Um, we just we don't like uh, forget this companion. We don't need him. And this story was like really ignored by a lot of people. And then Robert Shearman turned around and created and did three other stories that were all wildly praised. Uh, Chimes of Midnight Jubilee which became the basis for Dalek, which he actually wrote for uh, the first series uh, back with Christopher Eccleston, which everyone loves. Um, And uh, Sherzo, which is an eighth Doctor story with Charlie, which is a really evocative story for a lot of reasons that I won't go into because we don't have time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Sherman Sherman wrote this, and it was rediscovered in retrospect, and it is kind of like outside of the Big Finish canon. Uh, Big Finish was doing side stories that weren't really tied to... Big finishes own Doctor Who continuity or main Doctor Who continuity. Um, uh, like this previous story to this was called Shadow of the Scourge, which was an, a Seventh Doctor, Bernice Summerfield, a story uh, which took place in the Virgin universe. Uh, so the Virgin New Adventures novel verse written by Paul Cornell. And that story was written by Paul Cornell. Um, so they were doing all these like all side adventures and uh, they kind of stopped doing them because they had more interest in their own continuity, which I respect. But uh, interesting because this is really indicative of kind of what I think about when I think about Robert Sherman's stories. I don't think it's my favorite of his. Uh, I think I like the other three much more. B- but there's a raw quality to this that I think um people should listen to. Uh, but I would also say that this is very adult. Um It is very, very, very much not for kids Um, as far as I can, I'm concerned because it is very graphically horrific towards the end, as Sherman's stories tend to be, um, and it's not, I don't think it's really necessarily children-appropriate. That said, uh, you can't really go wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, that's the, that's the Holy Terror, that's kind of why we're covering it, and uh, Six Doctor, yay!
0: Alright, well, uh, before we start talking about it I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is a site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures anything you can uh, get from a local comic book shop, you can pre-order from DCBService.com. That includes Big Finish releases. Every month there's new Big Finish releases on DCBService.com um, So uh, go there, place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and then regular discounts of 40% off then you can uh, ship you know monthly bi-weekly weekly weekly, um and then no matter how large or small your order is you only pay 695 and flat rate shipping every time it goes out so uh thanks to dcbservice.com um okay so the holy terror the thing that i noticed right away um or not right away but like immediately upon finishing it um is that it was structured exactly like dalek Mm. um like exactly like Dalek it not in the way that like the story is and in any way similar but it's structured like Dalek in that it's uh it's the 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 doctor and his companion show up in the middle of a room full of jerks like (laughs) everyone is awful um and then and then like he has to uh save the awful people, only he kind of doesn't in the end um that's kind of like that's Dalek and that's what this is um and I think it's it's really interesting the thing that that struck me the most about it was kind of how funny it was in the first like the first hour of this story is actually kind of really funny mm-hmm. um really funny, like that whole thing where he's just like he, he's just like the the when the when the old man at the beginning is is like being uh being threatened with death because um in this on this planet uh the king or the, the king the emperor like they are also deities um so when you are crowned king of this of this of this uh kingdom uh you are also uh uh crowned like the god of The place as well um so like and everybody becomes your slave and they worship you and yada yada and uh and so like the old king died and so there's a new king being um crowned and so therefore that is the new god and they're gonna like they're gonna set this old man to death and they're just like you are blasphemous because you like the old king and now there's a new king and this happened like overnight so there's no possible way for him to have known this um and they tell him what happened. He's like, "Oh, well, then obviously I, uh, I I worship the new king." And they're just like, "Oh, okay, well then you're fine." <laughs> and they're just like, "Here's uh here's your uh here's your receipt for uh, re- recanting uh, your 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 worship of the of the old god and and your new uh, worship of the new god." And uh, thank you very much. Have a great day. Uh, see yourself out, please, and uh, send to the next person. <laughs> it's just like, "Oh wow, okay, this is gonna be fun." Um, and yeah, it was like it's really fun for the first like two thirds of this, and then about halfway through episode three, like it starts getting really like twisted
1: oh, yeah. um
0: and 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 really just really goes to the dark place <laughs> and i I have a like my biggest question with this is that they don't outright say it, but this is related to the land of fiction, right?
1: Um, not necessarily, but it could be, it easily could be. Um, I feel
0: like, cause, cause there's a void. Yeah. That they, they're like, oh, we're in a void. Oh, now things are showing up. Yeah. And then all of these things, all of these people aren't real. They're, they're, uh, they're basically just like the thoughts of this one character and, and, and who, who could, you could easily place as the master of the land of fiction. Yes. Um, and I almost wondered if, like, if it's not the land of fiction specifically, what if it's, like – what if the land of fiction is, like, that void is, like, a planet of, like, like an imagination planet, you mm-hmm. know? And then this is, like, one part of that area or something. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of what I was thinking because I was just, like, the fact that they, they specifically talk about a void when they first show up and when they leave, I'm like – that that's that's land of fiction material. Like that can't be by accident. Robert Shearman is saying something. Yeah. Um. And and I think that he's just. I I felt like he was really hinting strongly at a connection there, but not wanting to outright say it.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's an interesting use of the land of fiction in that, like, this is basically a prison. Like, it's just a prison for this dude. Like, it's like a, it's almost like a cell in the land of fiction where someone was just like, well, we need to put him somewhere. So let's put him where he can do no harm to anything that's real. So they put him in like a box in the land of fiction. And then Uh he populated his world with what you eventually learn as uh, not a kingdom, but a castle. Like, because the world is so small. Um, Right. And I, I I don't think I don't think that's a, actually an invalid reading at all. Because um, it is it is something that is noted on like the like the TARDIS wiki page, amongst other things, is they they mentioned that. It's it it is a world populated by fictional characters. Um yeah. that come from the ideas of a guy who writes them. Right. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I mean it's it's right there. So <clears throat>
0: Yeah. I will say though, um the uh the Bible scribe who ends up being the guy that's responsible for all of this?, um, I saw that coming immediately, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like with the first scene when it was about him, and I'm just like, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, it's the it, this is the guy. this is all his fault. Whatever's going on, it's all his fault. Um, because, and then they started talking about like, well, we just we just follow what the book says and blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's totally him. Um <laughs> but 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 I mean that's not to say that it wasn't it wasn't great. Like this was this was really, really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um I loved this. I think that my if I have a complaint at all about it is that um I don't feel like the doctor did enough. Yes. Um, I don't think he's, he's, he's not as active as Frobisher is actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, Frobisher is much more active of a character in this. And I will say this though, it, uh, it fits right into the TV universe of, of Colin Baker because a, it is extremely violent in that last third, yes. um, extremely violent. Uh, but it's also like, they talk about violence throughout the first two thirds of it. Um, they talk about torture and all of these horrible things, but nothing ever actually happens. Um, it's just a lot of talk. And then and then it all starts happening in <laughs> the yeah. last third and it's horrible. Yeah. But like so it's very violent like a Colin Baker T V era story. And it also features the Doctor and Frobisher not connected to the story at all for the first part. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had the same thought where I was like, oh, Sherman's just doing a a traditional Colin Baker story. Like, he's just doing it. It, And I thought that was fantastic in a way where it's like... Yeah, in a way where it's like, oh, I could see this actually more or less working on television. Like, there's a bunch of things that are a little too big to be produced, but nothing that, like, a rewrite wouldn't fix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then it's all, and it's all thematically linked to the fish thing at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is,
0: which is really, really great. It's something that they didn't really do in the Con Baker TV era. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but, but it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really great. Um, yeah. It's really, really great. I, I was, I was having a lot of fun. Like the humor in the first two thirds of it are kind of, it's kind of Douglas Adams, humor actually. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's really silly. Mm-hmm. Um, really over the top silly um and then and then once you get to the back half like he he tempers that silliness with the deadly seriousness of that of that back third, um where you're just like, oh my god this is this is horrifying <laughs> um and uh and yeah creepy uh creepy child god, whoo,
1: yeah, <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> like a like i just the the image of a five-year-old speaking like an infant just floating around and literally just murdering people like just murdering people in a way just te- where tearing them apart yeah like yeah. like in uh like it, it reminds me when i think about it it just reminds me of the kid in looper when he rips that kid with that dude apart um
0: oh yeah see i and i was thinking i was thinking like dr manhattan
1: yeah that would that's a good one too um yeah Uh, it's weird because like I I find that the more I look at Robert Sherman's Doctor Who stories that aren't Dalek um, and even Dalek to a certain extent but not as much because he has just free reign to do whatever he wants here Um, what I like about him is that he doesn't like he approaches story in such a weird and interesting way I've read a couple of his short stories I have one of his uh, I have two of his books actually um, that are just these collections of short stories that he's written and he's so interested in like horror like this is real horror. Um, like, just from a from a way where, I don't know, it's not but it's not horror like anything that I kind of think of. Like, it's, all of his stories always feel like nightmares. Um, he writes the things of nightmares, which is kind of perfect if you think about how do- the Doctor is the thing that fights the nightmares. Dropping him into a nightmare world only really makes sense. Um, and So much of that is based on like setting, for example. The fact that this is set in this castle that has this specific caste system, where everyone has a role and you perform the role as you are expected to perform the role, is a fascinating way of telling a story, and not so different from his other Doctor Who work, where you know Jubilee has the president, and the president's wife, and the Dalek, and all of these, and and the people who report to the president, and all those people have their own sort of roles, and Chimes of Midnight is literally just about a chambermaid, and the people who are are occupying a house. Um, And it's fascinating that he's kind of interested in the caste system and how all of these people are trying to shake off the caste system and really the only one who actually does is the Doctor um, and Frobisher because they are the outside influence who generate this chaos. It's such an interesting way of approaching Doctor Who. It's an interesting way of approaching uh, stories like this. And I, oh my gosh, I'm just so impressed by it. Um, Just because I don't his voice is so specific and so interesting. He's something of an absurdist and something of a surrealist, but it's always kind of grounded. Like, this is grounded in the emotion of a, you know, the guy who's this scribe was convicted of murdering his own child with a knife um, and had to pay the penance of that. And that's really dark, but it's also, like, kind of heartbreaking at the end where he's just, like, really sorry that he did this and, you know commits suicide by giving his kid a knife and letting his kid kill him um
0: right the child deity
1: yeah the child deity this baby as i like to think of it i think of it as the baby whenever i think about this story i'm always like is the baby that scary and when the baby starts starts talking you're just like oh this got dark oh my god oh my god (laughs) he
0: reminds me of um he reminds me of like the smart kid from that like for episode like three or four of star trek the original series
1: Oh yeah, 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 the yeah, um...
0: the one that Clint Howard plays, <laughs> that's what yes. I was picturing. I was just picturing like baby
1: Clint Howard like floating around, yeah, oh God, just horrifying <laughs> <laughs> it is, and like not the sort of thing that you want to see, just like floating around this castle, just like what well, I would like to murder someone, daddy, like and oh God, like the, it starts
0: he's... having a tantrum because he's <laughs> because he wants to murder someone, oh yeah. my
1: God oh it's so it's so so dark and the sort of thing where i remember listening to this the first time and when that baby shows up until the end like i was just on pins and needles the whole time and with chills and all that sort of thing just because i couldn't just there are certain things that make you so uncomfortable that you don't have that you aren't able to handle them the things that go bump in the night under your bed um and this is just that and he kind of sherman just blows the doors (laughs) off the place with this where i'm just like i never want to see this on television and i kind of don't want to revisit it very often but when i do i'm just like oh god
0: yeah <laughs> oh no, it's, it's... it's really great also uh the hell with the people who don't like frobisher he's fine yeah i think he's fun yeah total fun like and he, and he's fun in a way that like he's he's completely unlike any other companion yeah which I think is, uh, I think there's merit in that. I don't know.
1: Definitely. No, I don't understand the Frobisher hate. Um, and I it's understand.
0: Just, it's like it's like okay, like he's a penguin, great, but you're not looking at him. So what do you care? It's just a voice. <laughs> like why why do you care? And I just I love that. What is it that they called him when they thought he was a god? Where they're oh, like uh,
1: they say, "All hail Frobisher! All hail the big talking bird." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big talking
0: bird. And then, but then they call. Do did, did they call him Big Talking Bird God? Was Something that, like that. Yeah, Bird God. They just called him Bird God. That's what it was. <laughs> when the old, when the old queen, uh, when she was just like, when she was just like,
1: I don't respect your reign, Bird God, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, it's- like,
0: oh. oh. It's right. ludicrous,
1: and it's, like, the sort of thing where it's, like, if you put a giant talking penguin in a story and you don't comment on it, then really, what's the point? Um, uh-huh. and, is and, he giant? I thought he was regular size. Not giant, but he's, like, you know, he's, like, three and a half feet tall, which to me is a lot bigger than I want to be dealing with when I have a bird companion. Um, I mean, uh, okay. it's just a, it's just a penguin. Like, I, I imagine yeah. him as, like, a... Uh, a I imagine a, it as, like, a really tall penguin. Like Yeah, yeah. yeah like a really like a really tall penguin. And like the
0: one penguin like every time you go to a penguin exhibit in a in a zoo or an aquarium, there's always that one penguin that's like taller than everybody else. Yeah, that's for like the, sure. Just like the sh- the shack of of the penguins. That's for <laughs> over sure.
1: Yeah. And 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 I think that like what's funny is like it's it's not a thing that's lost on Sherman where like Part of me listening to it this time was almost bored by the first bit. Like, yeah, it was really funny, but it's also like the sort of thing where at a certain point you kind of get it. Yeah, there's these roles, and yeah, that everyone's kind of filling them, and yeah, it's very arch, and we're kind of playing with the arch thing. But like, you know, then you get him starting to subvert those things, and, you know, one of his cliffhangers is, you know, about the caste system where <laughs> the king's about to be assassinated. Um and the second cliffhanger is the one where the, all the people just decide that they're just going to worship Frobisher because their <laughs> god isn't working, so why not worship the bird? And Frobisher's just like, oh, c- "Come on, no!" <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's so good, and like it's the sort of thing where I love Frobisher because he's like he's sardonic, but not like overbearing in that sardonicism where he's just like. Yeah, just I, I'm here, man. You know, like I'm here. I'm having a good time. I'm not like super <laughs> annoying about it. I'm just gonna be here and have a good time. And I really like that as a companion. It's the sort of thing that I wish, like Big Finish, kind of did more with him. I think they have to get licensing thing because it's owned by Doctor Who Magazine or something. But, um, yeah. like yeah, like it's a it's a story that you know was derided because it used him and people were like that sounds stupid and they didn't buy it and the big finish was just like but it's it's cool it's gonna work out now people listen to it and people love this story as they should because they the reason they didn't is they didn't listen to robisher and they realized that one it's a really great doctor who story that isn't like any doctor who story that i've ever really experienced um and is also just like a really well-told thing that is also really, really messed up at the end. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> really messed up. Um, oh, I'm so messed up. Yeah. Um, it gets really weird. Oh, it's it so weird. Um, just so so weird i mean and i mean it's the sort of thing where it's like it almost shouldn't be surprising given that jubilee features uh and this this isn't really a spoiler because it'll still mess you up when you hear it uh midgets who are put into dalek casing and when one midget doesn't fit into the dalek casing the president just casually slices his hand off so that he can fit inside of it um Uh it happens on like on audio like you actually hear this happen um like, Sherman's imagination is just beyond twisted. It is just sick and it is disgusting. But it's the sort of thing where it's like, I appreciate him for not shying away from that. Um, he comes from writing plays um, and he comes from, you know, working in the BBC radio department. So he knows these things and he is an absurdist and he is a surrealist. And that means that he kind of doesn't have a filter Um and I love that he doesn't have a filter. And I love that he just kind of allows himself free reign because a lot of people will put a filter on themselves. And this is just Sherman saying, nope, this is my story. And I have very full confidence in it. And I'm okay with that. And I really like it. Like, I like him doing that. And I like him having that sort of confidence. And it's just, it's great. It's What really, was the really last
0: great. thing he wrote for Doctor Who?
1: Um, I think it was, he did a story in the 100 anthology. Um, okay. which was uh, uh, he did my own private Wolfgang, which is a really great time. Oh, travel yeah. St- yeah, really great tri- time travel story about um, uh, about uh, uh, what's his name, um, Mozart. And it's really it's really a lot of fun. Um, uh, the only thing of his that I actually haven't listened to is a story called Deadline, um, which just to go on to a minor tangent, big finish for the 40th anniversary. Uh, did a series of uh specials on a spin off in a spin-off series where they Big Finish will just do spin off series. And they did this one called Doctor Who Unbound, which were what if stories in Doc in the Doctor Who universe. So mm-hmm. the first one is What if the Doctor never left Gallifrey? Um, and the second one is what if the Doctor landed in unit like forty years later. Um uh-huh. which I think is really interesting. Um and Deadline, which I mean I don't even know how this works. Um, like, I just, I don't know, I don't know how this works, but it's based on this idea. Like, I, f- I think it was like, what if, um, what if, what if Doctor Who never materialized on television is the idea. And I'm just like, I don't understand how that works. Like, I just don't understand how that works, but he wrote it and it's apparently like really, really good. And he considers it his personal favorite of the things that he's written for Doctor Who. Um, huh. Which I mean, and the only reason I haven't listened to it is because I'm saving it for like a rainy day or something. Because um, it's the one of those unbound stories that I haven't listened to. Uh and the unbounds so are
0: it's up been and down. a while. Yeah. Is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. But his like Sheerman is really like the Brian K. Vaughn of Doctor Who, where he came in and he did a lot of Doctor Who stories, you know, like he did he did this one, this was in two thousand, and then he did Chimes of Midnight, which was like two thousand two ish. Um, and then he did one, he did like four stories for the anniversary. So, like, he did Scherzo was December 2003, and Jubilee was January 2003, and, uh, Deadline was in 2003. So, like, he was writing a bunch of stories. And his problem that he said was that at a certain point, Every story that he saw was a Doctor Who story, and instead of being pigeonholed into just doing Doctor Who, he focused on his own original work, um, and then went off to write his own things. And, like, he's still in those circles. Like, apparently he, like, goes to readings of Doctor Who scripts, like, when they do the table read, like, he's there for them. Like, so, like, he's not forgotten, but I think his thing is that he just needs to focus on his own work for a while and then come back eventually. Um... Cause like he, he def- um
0: they need to do he needs to do another TV episode
1: he really does um, I think
0: he would be a really good fit for I mean I have no idea what the take is obviously but uh, I mean I I think he'd be a really good good uh good good writer on the new guy I feel yeah
1: it'd be it'd be really it'd be really great and I would love to see like what he would do because he's a much better writer now than he was even then and yeah. like I mean his vision is so specific like it's just a. It's such a b- specific voice in the way that Richard Curtis's voice was specific for Vincent and the Doctor, and I like mm-hmm. I like that, and I don't know, every time I watch Dalek, I'm a little more like, oh, this is clearly Shearman, where it's just a little weird, um, and he does need to come back, like, in the way where I just love seeing him. Really, the thing that I'm most waiting for is the second volume of Running Through Corridors, which, come on, Robert Shearman, let's do this. Come on. <laughs> Like, come on!
0: He, I don't. Yeah, because it's like he's one of those writers where it's like you don't need to come back often, but like the fact that you aren't back yet, like it's ridiculous. I, I'd be interested to know if they've even invited him back, um, and like if he they invited him and he
1: turned it down. See, I they, they might have, because um, like I, he was on this uh, chat room I was in this one time. We were always asking him questions about Doctor Who and stuff and he was just like, I can't tell you if I have or have not been asked. Um mm. so that to me says that he's been asked, but he turned it down. Um yeah. so like I mean that's his thing. He's writing novels now, so it works. Um All right, but fair enough. I don't know. I do I do wish that he would come back and write another T V story just to like just to I don't know, just to see what he would do with another opportunity at the television. Um mm-hmm. so
0: Especially with like the higher budget that the show has now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be really definitely because you, like uh, you can't do. Like they, they, they both should just come back and just do like a, just do another story. I mean, and it's and I mean, I know it's a thing where it's just like they should just do that. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not really how it works, but but you know what I mean. Like I just it's it's not so much that they should; it's that I just I want them to. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely. So,
1: yeah, and he's. I mean, he's at my. He's on my list. Like, there's a reason why we're talking about this story is because. I find him such a good writer that I and important enough to me that I want to, like I wanted to highlight him for the fiftieth. Which, like you know, I'm putting him up there with Moffat, Davies, Cornell, and Holmes. Like I find yeah. him that important to like how kind of I look at Doctor Who, where I find yeah. that in a show that can do anything, he's a guy who really gets that it can do anything and he will do anything with it. Um, and I love that. Um, I yeah. really, really, really love that. So yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Um All right, well that's uh that's the Holy Tailor. Ta- uh, that's the Holy Tailor. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different that's a different story. Um,
1: <laughs> that's the
0: Holy Terror. Uh before we continue, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. Where you can purchase any uh, currently in print paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or absolute edition graphic novel collection at 35 to 45% off, plus new release specials at 50% off every week. And remember, all the orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So thanks to in Next time, we just covered six. That means we're covering five. It's our it's it's our fifth Doctor story, it's our last big finish story of the run. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back and do more big finish, uh, stories at some point in the, in the future. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because how could we not, how could we not, um, <laughs> we're, well, we're doing light at the end for uh, the 50th. So that's true. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's true.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're talking Peter Davison and creatures of beauty. Yeah, um, which I have not heard. To be fair, I haven't heard many Fifth Doctor audios because I don't think that they play as well, or at least the ones that I've heard so far. I don't. I don't think they play as well as the other Doctors do, um, just because Peter Davison was so young when he was the Doctor, and now his voice is so much older, and all of his companions were like early twenties, like teens, um, and and they're all much 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 older um and you just hear it in the voice and you're just like this doesn't sound or feel like davison era doctor who at all Yes, um, and it's been sort of my problem with his audios um also the problem is that they can't get outside of continuity because his uh his continuity is too tight um so they're not able to do the fun things that they can do with the sixth seventh and eighth doctors Yes, um which is so unfortunate um <laughs> so they they there hasn't been like a fifth doctor a, 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 like a like a series of fifth doctor audios that are just like woo damn yeah. um there's 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 nothing because they just they can't do anything crazy
1: mm-hmm. um unfortunately yeah. he, he only usually hits about an eight or nine if he's really lucky but other than that i mean you know that's where yeah. he is yeah um how about that good job computer fan
0: (laughs) which um which uh writer this
1: creature this is uh written and directed by nicholas briggs um Ah, yeah who's the current doctor who big finnish showrunner like he's the guy who's in charge of executive producing it and all that sort of thing and interesting because um i find it i find it a really evocative story um it's a story that you kind of figure out what happened about three episodes in, and the last episode is kind of like, oh no, that's kind of what happened, isn't it? Um, and it's not told traditionally. It's I think it's one of the things that Nick Briggs does that I think is can show like how s- special of a writer he can be. A lot of times he will write something that is a bit standard or corridor runny, whereas these this story is not like that at all. Um, it's very kind of. It's a very, its a thinker. It's a thinker, and it's kind of scary. And uh, someone, someone will uh, dig a knife into their face. So we'll see how that goes. Ugh. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh. I. I. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it, and I think that the people at home will like it. And it's a Nissa story, so what's not to love, Nyssa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice.
0: Um, of the, like, three Peter Davison Big Finish stories I've listened to, I think two of them were Nyssa-only stories. <laughs> um, so, there you go. Um, yep. Ooh, Tegan does not play uh, in Big Finish. Like, oof. She, yeah. she, she sounds so old. She does sound <laughs> really old. But, <laughs> like, I like more so than finish. everyone else. Like, she kind of sounds like an Australian man. Um, <laughs> she's so old. Uh, so her voice is just really deep um, <laughs> to the point where like I, I almost didn't recognize her. I was like, who's this Australian dude? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, um,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited oh. that it's just Nyssa. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good, I mean, it's a good story. I think you'll like it. I've listened to it a couple of times and it is uh it's 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 kind of perverse in its own weird ways, as you'll see cool. when you listen to it. Um, so yeah, good stuff.
0: So we'll be back with that in a, in a couple of days. In the meantime, uh, you should check out our other podcast, The Mind Robbers Versus, where we're covering Justice League Unlimited right now. Um, and then pretty soon, subscribe now because we're going to be talking about Veronica Mars very soon. Uh, and The Mind Robbers Versus, for those of you who are unaware, um, it's, uh, it's basically – we put out like three episodes a week, uh, and in each episode of the podcast, we talk about two episodes of a show, uh, and then and we just sort of talk about them and then and then move on. And usually the episodes run between like between like fifteen minutes and a half hour. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, uh, they're they're like little bite sized chunks. They're nice. Um, so uh, check that show out. Uh, that's also where you can find our thoughts on Thor: The Dark World, uh, which also came out this week. And then, uh, in a couple of weeks, that's where you're gonna find our review for the Hunger Games catching fire um which the rumor has it that that show that that movie's gonna hit a billion dollars um, <laughs> that's like that's like all of the uh whatever like uh, you know how they they like calculate all that stuff um but like yeah, they're like, yeah, this movie's looking like it's gonna be a billion dollar movie, which is nuts yeah um. But, uh, yeah, so that's where you'll find that stuff. also the mind robbers, our flagship podcast, uh, which we have recently switched to biweekly um uh, for the most part, uh, life has been very busy lately, um, but we're getting to it. We're gonna get to a new episode this weekend, so it'll be up like uh, like Sunday or something um so uh yeah. be on the lookout for that. Uh, listen to us, talk about. Whatever we've been consuming lately, um, like you know, entertainment consuming, uh, I usually I talk about video games. Sometimes we talk about movies, comics, music, TV, books, whatever, all kinds of stuff. Um, so, uh, so, so check out uh, check out the Mind Robbers, um, and then you can also follow us on Twitter. On uh, twitter.com slash scott corelli also scott commentary where I live tweet things from time to time but not nearly as often as uh matt uh, tends
1: to do um matt where can people find you on twitter you can find me on twitter, twitter.com slash gongadin also my alternate twitter account twitter.com slash gd commentary where I where I uh, live tweet like you said um sometimes more than not uh oc coming soon at some point uh, Can't wait uh, yeah, it's coming. Uh, and then of course classicalgalfrey.blogspot.com where you can find my discussion of Classic Who and all of its wonderful permutations. And it's a good it's good it's good time. It's a good time. Um all right. and that's where you can find me. Woo! Alright.
0: Um, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of days with uh, Peter Davidson and Creatures of Beauty. Bye.
1: Bye.